Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode from Setting the Tone. I am really, really proud to bring you this one. Stick around because I'm telling you all about that right after this. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode. Today is our Saxon special. This is one I did not think I'd be bringing you in a million years. I did not think I'd have the opportunity to sit down with someone like Biff Byford of Saxon to talk to him about the current album Hellfire and Damnation, which is out everywhere now, as well as the plans for 2024. So before I bring you that interview, I'll be playing you a track titled Hellfire and Damnation from Saxon's latest album out everywhere now. Go and stream it, go and buy a physical copy, and then we'll go straight into an interview with Biff. Stick around. Fighting for us 
Biff Byford, welcome to Set the Tone. Set the Tone, welcome to Biff. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. No problem. Um, going to talk about Hellfire and Damnation, um, the 24 studio album, which came out last Friday. Um, been out a week, now the dust has settled. How do you feel the reaction's been, Biff? Well, yeah, we just got the chart position, so that's doing really well, actually. Uh, yeah, we've just got to thank everybody for supporting us, really, and buying the record and all the radio stations playing us and the magazines reviewing us. And, you know, we've had some great, uh, we've had some great feedback on this album and we're doing really well. We're really happy. I'll be honest with you. I um, listened to it the first time yesterday and wow. Um, comes out the gate swinging, don't it? It doesn't sit there waiting for it to start. It's literally in your face, which is really nice. It's British metal. That's how it should be. 100% agreed. Um, where did you kind of take the inspirations from this album in terms of setting up the lyrical themes and putting all of that together? Well, I mean, inspiration is coming all the time, really. You know, I'm writing and jotting things down in my notebook and everything all the time. So, uh, you know, we're songwriters predominantly. So, you know, we're always thinking of, I'm always thinking of titles for songs and different things to write down. So, I mean, history plays a big part in uh, Saxon lyrics and has done since 1979. Um, you know, I think it's not really a surprise for people uh, from, to hear me being inspired by, you know, stories of of yore. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, Kubla Khan and the Merchant of Venice and something in Roswell. It helped from my crazy mind, really. But I do love, uh, I do love history. So I do get a lot of inspiration from things that have happened, you know, fantastic things that have happened in the past. Uh, as do Iron Maiden and uh, lots of other bands as well, actually, but I think it's specifically a British thing. I think some, some of the 70 bands used to do quite historic things, you know. I think that might have anything to do with, like, schooling. And that sounds a little bit cliche to kind of suggest. Uh, well, yeah, I, I love the history of school. Uh, you know, I was fascinated by you know, Second World War because I wasn't born in it. So, you know, by the time I could, uh, you know, understand things, uh, you know, in the like sort of sixties, nineteen sixty, you know, I was really interested in what, uh, you know, what you, what happened really. Why did we go to war and all the rest of it? So it, it interested me. I was pretty pretty good at history. I think we had a great history teacher. I remember him. I remember. You know, doing history lessons at pretty interest. You know, about galleons and you know, Elizabeth the First. It was all great swashbush kind of stuff, wasn't it? You know what I mean? So, then history is, is fantastic, actually. You know, so I think it fits well with the metal genre. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. There's a lot of inspiration, like you say. A lot of bands have taken that from. Um, over the years, one of the things that I've noticed that is really, really cool on the album is Brian Blessed. Um, you know, the album starts with that kind of uh, voiceover intro, kind of old school in that respect. Yeah, I uh, wanted it to be old school. That was the idea. I thought I want to do something like, you know, like we used to do back in the day, like, you know, uh, Number of the Beast, Gorilla, yeah. you know, that, all them sort of, uh, you know, those beginnings are fantastic. You know what I mean? You heard it, like, oh man. Yeah. So, and Brian, you know, we're good friends with Brian. We've met him quite a lot over the years. And, uh, you know, he introduced us on stage at Bloodstock uh, a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, when I was thinking of, uh, I mean, originally the album was going to be called Prophecy. 
And uh, I had a song uh, called The Prophecy written, uh, which turned into one of the other songs. But uh, Brian came along, Brian Tatra, he had a good idea, a uh, guitar riff. And I thought, I'm going to use that and write one called Elvira Damnation with him. So Prophecy became a bit redundant. Uh, but if you listen to the song, it's got Hellfire Damnation and the Prophecy in the chorus, so the words are there. Uh, so I thought, I'm going to do one called Prophecy and we'll start the album with it. And I'll write some write a little prologue, you know, and send it off to Brian and see if he would stay for me. And um, we're really lucky to get it, actually. It's great. Uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't feel with this particular album or any of your albums for that matter of fact, you're not about reinventing the wheel. It's just straight up, like you say, British metal in your face and keep it simple. And I, I think, I think to start doing, you know, experimenting and, you know, doing other things now, it's a bit, uh, we were a bit stupid. You know, we had our experimental period in the sort of late 80s, you know, that's gone now. We're, you know, we know what we are. We know where we're coming from. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we just want to write a great album. And, and that's what we always try to do. Uh, we're always trying to write the perfect song, which obviously you never get there. But uh, that that's the key to it all, writing the songs and putting them together and, you know, the album becomes a bit magical when all the songs are on there together. You listen to it as an album. It's great because it takes you on a journey. It's really good. I like it. Yeah, I agree. I think that for me, that's one of the most important things for an album. I like buying physical. I'm still of the age where I'm, I can buy physical. I'm still old enough to remember what physical is and not youth today. And I think you're right. You, you go on this journey with the, the, the lyrical themes and the songs and then you open up the artwork whether it be vinyl or CD and it just completes that journey of looking through the line and it's I like that yeah it's good it's very old school and uh, I mean obviously you can stream it if you like you can go modern uh, you know but you can also buy a cassette you know so it's a, it's a mixture of uh, you know old and new really modern and uh, and not so modern. I can't do cassette again, but if you recall the days of getting the pencil in there and having to wind it back in, it was a it was a nightmare as a child for me. It was a nightmare. It's all it's all part of the experience of music, isn't it? And if you're a young guy you never even knew where a cassette was, you can get one. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. And you, you can go down to the, you know, you can go down to the sort of uh, you know charity shop, buy yourself <laughs> a little cassette player for like a tenner. And you can listen to it like we used to listen back in the 80s. You know? so it's, a, it's an experience that uh, you know, people like, you know, the experience of those old days. Um, in terms of some fans may recall that unfortunately Paul Quinn had to step away um, for the time being and Brian Tatler's come in um, from Diamond Head. Absolutely amazing work from Brian. Um, he's, Brian, he's Brian, Brian Tatler's come storming in, mate. He hasn't just come in. Come in, they're like, down the doors. Yeah, this is me, yeah. <laughs> this is me and I've got something to say. Yeah, we love Brian already. He's only been in the van two minutes. But I think it's a great again, great replacement for Paul. You know, it's sad not to have Paul, but um, he's still with us, you know, and um, he didn't want to play metal anymore. You know, too stressful for him, uh, you know, doing the long shows. And, and even writing songs, you know, it's quite stressful when, when you know, people are on your back all the time. Say, come on, give us a riff like Princess of the Night. Come on. You know, right? so it's all stressful for him. So he just wanted to chill and back off the pressure and do his blues band. You know, that's what he's doing, really. That's right. He's, he's earned the right to um, take that backward step, definitely. Um, yeah. 
was it was it difficult to, not necessarily getting Brian in that wasn't the difficult part but was it difficult kind of going oh here's a new guy in the room he's a great guy we know what it's about but how does he fit in with us and we fit in with him was that necessarily difficult to work out or did it just come naturally well he's it, it, a great guy actually he's really laid back so it's, it's really it's quite easy to live with if you know what I mean uh, I mean he's got his little quirks but um, you know we all have haven't we um, mm-hmm. so it, I mean he's great Brian he's uh, he spent a long time uh, with something to say and not being able to say it. And I think he just loves being in the Saxon because now he has an audience where he can, uh, you know, play his music, really. I think I think we co-wrote um, you know, Hellfire Damnation together, me and Brian. And uh, I don't think he would have written that song with Yamanhead. You know, I don't think I don't that title or those lyrics would have happened in Downhead. So he's um, he's really happy, you know, that we could take some of his guitarists that he wasn't using and make them into great songs. You know, so it's been a brilliant uh, addition to the album and to the to the band touring. The fans like him. You know, we toured across South America. Was, you know, we were signing as many autographs as we were. You know, he's quite a legend, Brian, isn't he? 100% agreed with you, he is. Um, in terms of the last few years, no one can say Saxon haven't been busy with releasing music, whether it be studio albums, uh, covers albums. Was that always the plan the last few years, Biff, just to keep busy releasing, you know, material? I just think you have to keep in people's faces, mate. That's that's the key. Yeah, you have to keep ramming it down. You know, oh, this is this is the this, this is that, you know. This is my solo album. This is you know, me and my son's album. So I think making music now is more important uh, to us than any other time, actually. You know, to to write albums and to uh, release things. I mean, why not? You know, it, it's quite easy to do a, an inspirations album because the songs are already written. So all we have to do is like pick a song that influenced us or inspired us and just play it like Saxon. So. The Inspirations albums are a good fun. So, you know, we released two of those actually in more or less in the pandemic, which uh, which is great, really. You know, great fun and keeps the boys busy and keeps us in people's minds, you know. Agreed. There's nothing worse than people's attention spans in this modern day and age. They're very short. So keeping that in their face and reminds them of who Saxon are and what they're about. Well, I think, I think the thing is, you know, with a band like us, we could just tour and play the hits, obviously. We could just tour on the 80s hits, you know, but we're not that type of band. We want to write songs and we want to, you know, we want new albums to go out with and to be relevant to fans and to pick up new fans. And that's what we're about. So the new album for us is it's always a new beginning. It's always a new tour. And, uh, you know, that's what keeps us juiced up, you know. Awesome. In terms of uh, levelling up on Hellfire Damnation, what did you try and do differently in the studio, whether it be production, uh, uh, different techniques? I, I heard you say in a previous interview, you kept it simple, you like to use a lot of modern day technology as well as the old school technology because they can both work together. They can work together and uh, they're working together now. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, we use a lot of, we use a lot of analogue equipment and you know, I, use, I use an old 1940s microphone and an old, you know, an old 1940s uh, preamp telephone can 
uh, I even had JTC 12 and old one. Uh, we still use the same master plan we used to use back in the day. You know, mouse lamps, uh, you know, microphones or speakers, really. And then it gets turned into digital world. Then it goes back into analog world and then goes back. So we're swapping and changing all the time. So using all techniques. But this album, we, we spent quite a lot of time on getting the guitar sounds great. And the boys were really, really well rehearsed uh, for this album because we rented a, a hotel and cinema in Germany. And we used the cinema as like a live room and a rehearsal room. So we're in this huge, uh, not a massive cinema, not like you get in London or something, but like a, like a country cinema that holds about 100 people. And uh, yeah, we rehearse in there. So before we recorded the song, we, we played live. Rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it, and then play it live. So everybody knew what they were doing. So the guitars are more or less one take all the way through. We'd do it like four times and then pick the best take. So that's what we did on this album. It's like vocals. I did three, four versions, and then we listened and picked the best version. So that's that's what we did. And more or less, that's what we've done for the last 10 albums. But for some reason, something magical happened on this one. I mean, some people might think it's Brian, other people might think it's Andy. Some people might think it's me. But um, something happened, and uh, it came out really, really great. Really great. I'm not just saying it's to blow smoke up your ass, but it really has. Uh, you know, your vocals, I was listening to some of the earlier stuff, and, you know, your vocals were great back then, 70s, 80s, it's fantastic. But this... I don't know, it feels like you've knocked the years back there for like 20 years. Your vocals are right up here. Yeah, I think my son recorded the vocals with me. Uh, he was the engineer on it, so maybe you should probably thank him. Probably he was kicking my ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not good enough. Do it again. But, uh, yeah, it's very, very, very relaxed, this album. There was no real, uh, you know, we knew we'd written some great songs, yeah? And we knew they were great live because we'd already played them in the rehearsal room. So the only pressure really was the performance, you know. And uh, yeah, I think everybody stepped up to the mark, including me. Definitely. Absolutely. Is there a particular song or section on something where you just go back, go, wow, <laughs> we've nailed that? Uh, I'd say all of them, more, more or less. I mean, I, you know, it, it was. Uh, you know, I was I was doing the vocals every day, you know, banging along, and then suddenly, you know, because I got a studio at home, I walk in the kitchen and say to my wife, "I've just finished the album." <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Oh," <laughs> so it sort of sneaked up on me a bit. But uh, I think Madame Guillotine's great song. I, I like writing that one and singing it, and um, of course, is very Alice Cooperish. I think mm-hmm. you know, it's a bit theatrical chorus. Please let me introduce you to Madame Guillotine. Uh, so, yeah, I, mean, I had a lot of fun uh, doing this album. Really did. Would you say Madame Guillotine is your favourite track or is it unfair? Uh, today, to today is my favourite track. Uh, today is. It was fire, today, yesterday it was Fire and Steel. I quite like that one. But I don't listen to it all the time. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I'll leave it for like a week and then, you know, I'll, I'll go back and listen to it. I'll put it on in the car. And I think, well, you know, that just sounds really good. Because you do forget, you know, how good it actually sounds sometimes uh, when you've done 24 albums. But yeah, I mean, I'm quite, uh, I'm quite happy with it because, you know, some of these songs get really inside your head. 
the end of you know, you're, you're singing them, your mind is singing them, especially the choruses over and over again. It's, it's maddening. That that's what a great song does. I think it sticks in your head. I think what some people forget or don't realise is an artist tends to live with that song for not just a month, but it could be a number of years. It could be a number of months. Yeah. And the album doesn't necessarily see the light of day the first day you've recorded it. It can take six months or whatever to get the release date from the label to go out. That's right, yeah. I mean, we, uh, you know, this album in particular, though, was a bit different because we were trying to get it. We were taking our time writing the album and it was going to come out in in October this year. Uh, This Judas Priest uh, show came together and we were in a bit of a sort of world, you know, March. And we actually didn't finish that. we actually didn't finish the album until October the 15th last year, which is not that long ago. It's and, really not uh, You know, the, the record company had a lot of faith. So they, they you know, they pre-booked all the vinyl production because that takes a long time now. So they pre-booked that. But when they pre-booked all the time, we hadn't finished the album. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a gamble on their part. But we came through and finished the album. But I think we did we did record it um, you know loud and fast definitely and maybe that's one of the reasons why it sounds so so in your face because we're all fresh and excited playing you know and we didn't finish that long ago you know so we're not uh, we haven't become tainted by having it around for months if you know what I mean <laughs> we we finished it and then went more or less finished it while we were touring. Um, uh, Europe on festivals and then basically as soon as it was finished we went off to South America so we didn't really have time to listen to it you know we were, and we were dying to play the songs in South America but you know the record company was saying no don't play any songs new songs in South America because they're going to be on the internet you know the next day or hour and you know <laughs> people are going to really, so we said okay we won't play any songs but we were like uh, absolutely yeah Jumping up the bit to play new songs in South America, definitely. But nothing worse than having uh, a dodgy uh, video on on YouTube somewhere of a song that's not released yet, right? Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, and like you know, a million people watch it in like you know two days or something. But, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, I I want to thank the likes of yourselves and and Priest Queen Sabbath over the years because. I don't know how you're still doing it, but you are. You're all still out there. I just want to know what keeps the for you in particular. What keeps the fire burning? The you know, and the drive. I think it's the songwriting element of it. I've always been a songwriter since the first day I picked up a guitar. So I think there's that element. It just it's in my blood, you know. Now to to write write music. So uh, you know, I just love um, creating music. Then seven notes have a big pull on people. Mm. Yeah, I just wonder how much of it is that a lot of you know your generation of bands that came out in the 70s, 80s, you're all from hardworking backgrounds. You know, Sabbath were factory workers, yourselves from up in Barnsley in the in the cold north. And I just wonder if that plays such an impact now compared to what is coming out. Well, I think I think you know that working class uh, attitude is still with us, you know. I mean, we're all working class guys. Our fathers were working class people and our parents. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, we wanted to get out of the coal mines and the textile mills 
and the only way to do it was through music. And I think that, uh, you know, was one of the things that happened in, uh, in not just in England, in Scotland as well, and a lot of Welsh bands were staying, you know, there's no future really for you. If you were, if you were into music and you were learning to play an instrument or singing, there's no future for you down a fucking coal mine. You know, mm. um, you mentioned obviously you take inspiration from history in particular. Is there any other things you take inspiration from, whether it be just everyday things like, I don't know, washing the dishes, walking the dog? Well, I've done some, I've done some songs. I mean, one song I did is called uh, Waiting in the Queue, Standing in the Queue, you know, which is really, it's very British. It's really, so. really relevant for most people, especially <laughs> in this country, you know, waiting in a queue. So, yeah, so yeah, I do do it sometimes. Uh, the art can, can be a bit sort of, uh, you know, uh, funny songs, you know, tongue in cheap songs. Uh, but yeah, I will do that occasionally. But this one, this album, uh, I suppose a bit more storytelling, a little, a little bit more intellectual. <laughs> but yeah, more storytelling on this album. Uh, but still, um, still, you know, still songs about people, you know, all, all these historic songs, all about people, you know, they're not about, a bomb or a you know a car. They're all about people who existed in history, uh, or in the case of Roswell, you know we think existed but we don't know. So you know I don't know. It's just a uh, it's just a song about people really in history. That's what the songs are about. Um, obviously, I, I know what's coming up for Saxon in terms of touring. Uh, you've got the UK leg with you are heap opening up and then obviously you're supporting Priest and obviously you go off to America. Aside from this big pile of touring, what else has Saxon got planned for 24, 25? Well, we're doing a lot of festivals actually. Some of them can't be released yet, uh, but we're doing a lot of festivals. We're doing these big, uh, we're headlining a few big festivals. We're doing this, uh, you know, the Castle of Eagles 40th anniversary show that we've, we do sometimes. So we're doing a few of them, and uh, yeah, we're 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 on quite a few festivals. So we'll do that, and then maybe have a break, you know, in September, and then back out on the road again in October. That's the plan. No rest for the wicked, right? No rest for the wicked. The problem <laughs> when you write a great album, you have to do great tours. <laughs> I, I'm assuming naturally you are looking forward to obviously the priest and you are heaps and the bands that you've played many shows with and no doubt will be good to catch up yeah I mean they're, they're great guys we know we know them all and we've toured uh, we've not toured with you are heap but we have played together and uh, we do know them we've hung out quite a lot together uh, Judas Priest we did our first European tour with Judas Priest in 1980 I believe uh, so yeah we're big pals with Priest and uh, you know, I mean, we were a bit proud with Motrin as well. So we only tour with people that we like, actually, that we, we're friends with. We don't, we don't, we don't think we go in the middle with anybody else. But we, we love Prince and respect them. We love their music. Uh, so pretty cool. It's going to be too great for the fans. There's so much legacy there. I think Uriah Heap's first album came out in late 60, I think, 69 or something. I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, there's a big legacy there of music. Yeah, definitely for obviously the the OGs, the original fans, and the the middle generation, and then the kids that are coming through now to show. So it's something good for those people to see. Yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot of we have a lot of young 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 fans now. You know, with uh, people have got into us. You know, sometimes people will uh, 
the last album, Carpe Diem, a lot of young guys bought that and then went backwards through our catalogue, you know, and became even bigger fans because they discovered denim and leather or something like that, you know. So uh, it's really great, really. I mean, this is why you keep releasing albums, Bob, because, you know, you're, you're, you want to entertain, you know. It, it's show business, so we have to, like, entertain people. And to entertain people, you have to have something new you know, to bring to the party, you know what I mean? I can't just go out there and just play Wheels of Steel every night. We have to have a new album. It's what gives us the juice. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Um, last one for me, Biff. Um, bit of a soppy one, but I'll, I'll ask you anyway. What makes music so special for you after all these years? Well, I'll tell you what makes it special. If it isn't all music, all music, you know, whether it be from basically Western music, it's just seven notes with the, with the sharps and flats in between. And if you listen, if you, you know, if you look at the whole body of music, it's unbelievable. You know, there's so many different songs. You know, like Beethoven to Black Sabbath to, you know, to you know Rolling Stones. It's just same, the same notes. It's unbelievable that you can still write something that's unique using those same seven notes. It's different if you're from China or something because they've got a different scale. They have more notes than we have. But that's why it sounds a bit strange to us because we've never heard those notes before. Um, Biff, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for still rolling, rocking and rolling. I wish you all the best with the chat position when that's announced. I think it's announced today, tomorrow, I think it is. And obviously the tour. Yeah, um, thanks for, thanks very much. I mean, we think the album sounds monster and uh, can't wait to play it live, really. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to melt a few faces, definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you very much, buddy. Take care. All the best. Well, see you later, mate. Have a good weekend. And you. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Welcome back, everyone. So I think we can all agree that is one of Great Britain's heavy metal music legends Biff Byford from Saxon um, amazing band really honoured to have had the opportunity to sit down with Biff to talk about the album Hellfire Damnation which is out everywhere now uh, digitally and physically so please go and pick up those copies or stream the hell out of it the album has charted at number 19 in the album charts which is absolutely amazing um, amazing achievement for British metal and metal and alternative music in general so congratulations to Saxon for that all the best on the tours. There's a lot of touring for this band. Um, UK, they're touring with Priest who are headlining and you are a heap of opening up for both those bands. So if you've got a ticket, enjoy it. If you haven't, go and check it out. I think it's one not to miss. And of course, the band then head over to the States and then are coming back around Europe, UK time for festival season. When those festivals are announced, they are not announced just yet, but I have a feeling we'll see Saxon on a British festival either 24 or 25. Massive shout out to, of course, Biff for his time and to Duff PR for their time for helping set this one up. And of course, you, the listeners out there, can't do this without you. So thank you as always for tuning in to hear my voice and hear what I've got to bring you. It means absolute world. As always, if you're in a band or a solo artist, you've got something that you're working on and you wish to come on the show and do so, you can do so. Please reach out to stt com or reach out via Facebook and Instagram, which is Set Tone UK Podcast. And we'll do our very best to accommodate those um, requests and look to get you on the show. As always, thank you for now and bye bye and take care. Set and Tone.